I have these friends, Dan and Sheila. I actually they're podcast hosts. Welcome to Profiling Criminal Minds. I'm Dan. And I'm Dr. Redmond. And we are back for season two, episode two of Touching Evil, which is something about the war? War or something? Something with war in the title? <laughs> I don't know. War fear? War something or other? Ah, yeah, you'll look it up while I'm talking. War relief? I war relief, know. I think. Something like that. Yes, maybe war relief because uh, yeah. that's well, all that's what they were all doing there, yeah. So, uh, oof. I was going to say, so who starts with the, oh my God, this episode? Yeah, they're, uh, they're really doubling down on their love of unrelenting bleakness for bleakness's sake. Here on, Unbelievable. Uh, yeah. Yes, like, what are you guys doing? So here's here's my question. Is it safe to say that Mark is being gaslit by the other two members of the team? Because it starts with him, well, I guess, and their boss. It starts with him being cleared for the shooting of Laney last week. Yeah. Right? And then he says, thank you, sir, for clearing me for the shooting of Laney last week. And he's like, don't thank me. Thank the other two who backed you up. I'm like, so they right there is suggesting that there was something wrong, that it wasn't a good shooting, but his partners lied for him, and that's why it's been cleared. And I'm like, no, he had a knife to a cop's neck. It's fine that Mark shot him. And everybody around him, and the thing is, it's like, I don't know how intentional this is on the part of the show. Like, does the show know that all of these people are gaslighting him? Or does the show think it was a bad shooting? Well, to be honest. Because, like, I, I don't think... know. And I almost want to say, I don't care if we watch the rest of this. Series. <laughs> well, there's literally two more episodes. We're fine. I know. So we're going to do it. But this was, I mean, it starts out and I'm just going. Are you out of your mind? I can understand maybe why Susan is pissed off at him. Yeah. But he didn't know. And he didn't hear. And nothing. Yeah. And everybody, everybody gave him trouble for seeing a man dragging a woman into a shed and not shooting the man in the back. And that is what everybody criticized him for. Right? The whole episode. So then, right? Uh, at the end of the episode, he sees his opportunity to shoot a man who's got a knife to his partner's neck, and suddenly now everyone's saying he did the wrong thing. <laughs> the yeah, dude cannot win for losing. That there, that's the line. Like, he is literally damned if you do, damned if you don't. Yeah, I mean, and this is, no, I grant you, and I'm going, yet, and, and throughout this whole episode. He is very clearly, not helped by all of his teammates, okay? Nope. But he is clearly suffering from PTSD. Yeah. Why the hell haven't they got him in therapy? I don't know. I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know? He is not getting the support he needs. Full stop. 
And what? why Dave is so pissed off at him, I don't know. Well, again, because uh, Dave... <laughs> Because Dave, you know, if he had just shot that guy in the back, then Dave wouldn't have had to make the choice that got that girl killed. Well, yes, okay. That's but why Dave's yeah. pissed. It's so he doesn't have to be mad at himself. Yeah, and then she's pissed. Because, because she thought she had this relationship with the killer and thought she could talk him out of it and never got to find out if she was able to talk him out of it or not. Or yeah, if she well, was completely you know. delusional about who this man was. Yeah, she was completely delusional. And yeah. why Dave was willing to accept her delusion is beyond me. Yep. Emerson told them flat out. You've got to kill this guy. You've got to kill this guy. Don't make the same mistake you made with me. Yeah. It was Emerson who told them that. And they had no reason to doubt him. And Mark did what he was supposed to do. He absolutely did. Again, we are Team Mark did nothing wrong. Yeah, we're Team Mark, and we said that at the end of the last episode. And it just gets worse this episode. This is unbelievable. Like, this whole episode is insane. Oh, my God. Whose brain did this come out of? I mean, we can check the, I mean, devised by Paul Abbott, whatever that means. Yes, we have no idea what devised yeah, by Paul Abbott. because it's like... Here's the thing. When you watch an episode of Cracker that Jimmy McGovern didn't write, it didn't say written by, it didn't say devised by Jimmy McGovern. It said Cracker created by Jimmy McGovern, and then the episode would be written by who it was written by. Like, yeah. Jimmy McGovern took no authorship over the cult episode of Cracker. No. But that devised by credit is so weird because it implies, and maybe it, maybe I'm reading this wrong, but it implies, I think pretty clearly, that he is responsible for some part of the plot of these episodes. Yeah. Mm. Unless he's just being real fancy with what he wanted instead of a created by credit. Yeah, I mean, it is a created by credit. Yeah. I mean, that's what you would think. It should have said the same thing. Now, maybe, okay, we do not know what the sort of union BAFTA that's true. stuff ex that existed, because this is before Cracker, isn't it? No. This is after Cracker. This is after Cracker. This is the job he got, I assume, since he proved himself on Cracker. He was able to, you know, he had proved himself as being the guy who stepped in for Jimmy McGovern. And then he, you know, they let him tell his own terrible stories. Yeah. yeah this is after Cracker. I know. I, I don't know. It It is so bizarre. Oh, yeah. I mean... Yep. I'm right there with you. So how many episodes did Russell T. Davis? He only did one so far. I think he might have only just done the one episode. Yeah. You're gonna not gonna believe this. The popularity of the serial led to two sequel serials in 1998 and 1999. Yeah, season two and season three. There, yeah, we knew there's a season and none of them three. are written by Abbott or Davies. Oh, that is weird. It says right here. I'm reading all of this. None of I the subsequent episodes were written by Russell Davies or Paul Abbott. That's interesting. Sure. Yeah, the first episode. Okay, never mind. Show. Um. Oh, oh there's almost nothing here. Well, no, and that's interesting to me because, like... 
I, here's what I'm going to say. Uh, the Paul Abbott episodes of Cracker weren't particularly good. I think we were very hard on them, and I think we were right to be very hard on them. But at least... Um, I'm not as hard on the second one no, as you... that's true. You weren't as hard as I was. But we were both hard on them, is the point. Okay. Uh, but the thing that I find interesting is, is, I mean, and Best Boys is really good, yeah. right? But what I would, the argument I would make is, and that's Paul Abbott. So it's like, it's not like we were completely hard at on him. Like there's a lot of great stuff in Best Boys. But what I was going to say was what Jimmy McGovern did was when he left the show, right? When he stopped doing them, he had left everybody with a character and an ensemble so strong. And with voices so clear and like a show's goal that was so clear that it would be hard. Like, I'm not saying it's hard to do it badly. People did do it badly, but they had this leg up on creating stories in the world of Cracker because everyone knows who Fitz is. Like every yeah. people understand Fitz. And I don't think Paul Abbott did that with the first season. And Russell Davies did with that with the first season of Touching Evil. I don't think you walk away from that season having a fantastic sense of who these characters are and what type of stories are supposed to be being told in their world. You no. see what I'm saying? Oh, no, I've, I've always agreed with you okay. on that so far. Um, it is, and it gets, it's all over the place. It is. It It doesn't focus in on the characters. Like, it's like they're writing separate stories and dumping Robson Green and Nicola Walker into them. Yeah. You know, um, depending on who's, who's in crisis. Last, last year it was a Jonathan. This year it's Mark. Yeah. And you will be happy to know that Mark does survive because yeah. he's season three. Yeah. No, he, Mark comes back. Yes. You uh, know, Mark but oh my survive. God, this episode and how it treats Mark. So, all right. Uh, um, a guy is drilling holes in people's heads. And then dropping them off at their family homes. Yeah. That is that is what we learn at the start of the episode. And we see him doing it. Well, actually, one is drilling and then we find out he's using nails. Yes, yes. That's banging true. nails into their heads. Oh, jeez. He does both. Drilling when, you know, drilling sometimes and banging nails in other times. I guess when he's got access to electricity, he drills <laughs> and he doesn't be nails. I don't know. It This was an obscene episode yeah so it just made me think about uh the episode of i mean in a, in a very real way the episode of um uh the episode of criminal minds about the hum is kind of yeah. the same episode in a lot of ways oh yeah i mean the hum comes from another place it's yeah it's an arizona you know urban legend whatever but i'm just saying like the actual mechanics of this guy having yeah. someone beg him to drill a hole in their head and make him forget this stuff and then he like be is so traumatized by having to do this for somebody although in this the guy set changed his mind at the last minute and he did it anyway if he's remembering it correctly it's not uh yeah if we can remember it, I mean, if we're remembering it correctly, who knows what his memory is. But we, I think we can assume that the scene where the guy copped out at the last minute and he, you know, poked his head anyway. But and then he like is so damaged by what he had to do that he has to justify the value of doing it and keep doing it to other people. Like 
plot-wise, that's the same character stuff as was happening in that Criminal Minds episode. And how much did we like the Criminal Minds? <laughs> we hate that episode of Criminal Minds. We hate that but episode. It's just given that we have, you know, we are 100% sure that uh, the episode of Criminal Minds, the fight, was inspired that epi- by that episode of Touching Evil, right, from three years before that episode. Uh, I'm just saying, maybe somebody was watching, uh, sorry, of Wire in the Blood from three years earlier. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, between our being sure about the fight and that episode of Criminal Minds that was 100% uh, ripped off of book I'm obsessed with, Scavenger, uh, then, yeah, yeah I, I think it's not outside of the realm of possibility that we can say that someone saw this episode of Touching Evil and it was part of the inspiration for that episode. I mean, well, it's not like, it, by it, the way, it's not like they're coy about it. They they had a Jason episode, you know, they did a Manhunter episode, you know, like this isn't, uh, this isn't something that they've hidden before when they're ripping people off, you know? Yeah. It's just, you know, usually the things they rip off are more famous than an episode of Touching Evil, obscure British crime show from the late 90s. If that makes sense. Yeah. Well, unless they watch the American, I'm wondering if the American one has did. this episode as well. Good question. Yeah. I will continue trying to track down the American one because I am very curious about it. And now that I find out that like Bradley Cooper played Mark the year before he got Alias, that's kind of amazing. And I'm very curious about that. People forget Bradley Cooper was on Alias, but he was on another show, a regular on another show before Alias. Like, apparently. Yeah, really surprised. Okay, so, a guy is murdering people by drilling holes in their head, and it's all very unpleasant to watch. Like, the show is ugh. Because we see him picking up Uh another... What's wrong? What's wrong? Tinnititis. Tinnitus. There's an episode in the American Touching Evil about a man who has tinnititis. It's tinnitus. Uh, Well... They're spelling it here, tinnitus. They're spelling it wrong, but please continue. Tinnitus. Tinnitus, yes. Anyway, they spelled it wrong. Never mind. It's not important. Uh, Oh, okay. All right. So, yeah, you know what? That's looking more and more. We will definitely check into that. If you're going to rip something off. As I was saying. At least good episodes. As I was saying, uh, thank you for derailing me so spectacularly. As I was saying, just like you said, oh my God, like, like somebody had died. <laughs> like, what the hell is she talking about? Well, we were talking uh, about that. Anyway, as I was saying, uh, so yes, uh, is killing people and they're able, the organized and serial crime squad is able to trace it to similar crimes happening in Europe. Yeah. And, as as Dave says, if you draw a trail, like, these are on their way to England. I think the killers, like, come home. And yeah. we're probably going to see more of these. Oh, wow. Um, this, is, uh, this is a lot of an episode. Look, I will say one thing. This dragged so much. I kept looking at the timing and going, yeah. oh, my God. We've only got halfway through. Another 45 minutes. (laughs) Oh, my God. Another 30 minutes of this. It's a problem. Like, the pacing in this episode is a problem. This, the pacing in this episode is terrible. Yeah. There's about 
55 minutes worth of stuff and the rest is filler. Yeah. And so they, uh, they connect all of these people to having worked in an aid organization. Right. Uh, right. And they, so they go track down people they worked with in Bosnia. Yeah. In Bosnia as trying to give aid to the war, which, you know, let's face it, it was a genocide. We're not going to pretend it wasn't a genocide. It was horrific. Uh, what was done to these people, right? And, like, and the thing is, is that aid workers, and we will talk about um, the UN forces in Rwanda. It yeah. was the same. That was the same hell in Rwanda as it was in Bosnia. Yeah, because they were UN forces. I mean, they're talking here about uh, a relief group. Yeah. Okay, a war relief group, but. You know, that the United Nations couldn't intervene. Yeah, and they weren't allowed they were to intervene and help people. Who's the Canadian guy? I can't remember him now, the general. And he, I mean, Dallaire. Yeah. And just, he was a mess. I mean, he even wrote a book about it when he was in between bouts of having serious PTSD. Yeah. Serious. Because of that, all of the evil he had to see that he wasn't allowed to help with. He was not allowed to do anything. No. And that was, yeah, I mean... It, it was horrific. The premise of this... It's, is, not, it's, not, it's not outside of the realm of reality, reality, the stuff they're talking about. No. Yeah, like, all of the stuff, all of the brutal, like, horrific crimes the dude talks about, yeah, that all happened. You know, there were people burned alive. Like, that is just the kind of thing these monsters did. And they were monsters, right? And you can say, well, they're not really monsters. There's just guys who were activated by uh, interracial hatred by, you know, fascist political leaders. And that's true. That, you know, doesn't make them less monstrous, though. No, it does not make... Because you make a choice yeah. to that here's, here's my i don't care how much brainwashing you've gone through you're the one lighting a match and pour like pouring gasoline all over a living person then lighting a match you're making a decision to take those actions and yeah. i don't care how brainwashed you were you're never going to get any sympathy from me and people wonder i had why i had a problem with the game where suddenly it was optional to kill nazis no you 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 make choices, you know. You make choices. That got I still you go. And these, so, and then these poor people who are relief people. Yeah. Should not have ever been in the front lines of the war. Yeah. Ever. Mm -hmm. um, they were relief people hurts. and they were there to document atrocities. Yeah. Right, that is the two things they were there to do. Like they were there to make sure that all of this stuff got recorded. And they walked in to the middle of one as it was happening. Yeah, of a massacre as it was happening. And, and became part of it. Yeah, and one of their members was going to be just, you know, as happened in real life, burned uh, alive. Well, she was first taken away and she was raped. And oh, brutally raped and tortured and was going to be burned yeah. alive. And so one of the guys shot her to keep her from getting burned alive. Yeah. And that is what he couldn't live with. And so yeah, he, he asked his friend to, you know, drill, you know, to essentially to kill him, like yeah. to to cut out the part of his brain that remembered that he did that. Yeah. 
And uh yeah, his uh his friend, of course, he he then copped out at the last second and his friend stabbed him anyway, and then he ended up in a hospital in Romania, and they find this guy halfway through the episode in one of the many detours this episode takes. <laughs> Oh my god, this episode. But yeah, so they find uh, the two guys, the names of the two guys who are uh, back in London, right? Who are potential victims of this killer, so they think. But I mean, also, it's possible. They understand, and then it's possible that they're the killer. And one of them is a guy. And so Susan goes to see one and finds out that uh, he's missing and presumed dead. And Mark goes and finds the other one. And we immediately know it's the killer. But the killer is the guy who everyone thinks is dead and, in fact, is using his friend's name, who's the guy who he put into, uh, who he gave a lobotomy to and left in a hospital in Romania. Yeah, he didn't leave it in a hospital. He yeah. just, he thought he had killed him. Oh, yeah, he him. thought he had killed him, and the guy went wandering off, but he hadn't yeah. successfully killed him and ended up in a convalescent home in Romania. Yeah. Uh, but, yes, he thought he had killed him. Yeah. And... The timing, too, is such a problem because, like, the next... First of all, they find this guy in Romania and you don't get any sense. Like, there's no, okay, we've got to take him back home. Yeah. Did somebody not think to write that line, look, we gotta, we're going to take him back home? Yeah. So that you get a sense because the next minute, they're back in England. I know! And I'm going, da-ba-da-ba? And I was actually shocked. That not only were they back in England, but they had brought this guy back with them and put him in a military hospital. With no it. trouble whatsoever. Yeah. Like, yeah, there's no legal things to hurdle. You know, Romania is a separate country, and this guy's been getting medical treatment there as a John Doe for years. But apparently, no, you can just like, no, just, just pop him in a thing and bring him back, I guess. I guess. Like, you... It just was so... It's weird. Weird. That, like, this is, is again, what I would say is that, boy, did this need some editing. Yeah. Or, honestly, to be a book uh, that takes place over a much larger time scale. Yeah. So then we get... um So, you know, Mark finds out that they were, you know, dealing with the same person. Right? That, they, uh, that he and Susan were talking about the same person and didn't realize it when they find video of this guy kidnapping the latest victim, or just technically at that point, just walking off like they knew each other. And they both recognize him, Mark as the guy he talked to, and Susan as the supposedly dead man from the pictures. And here's... And so Paul, uh, sorry, Mark, goes back to the place, right? Goes back to the guy's place and finds that he has set up this giant, you know, multimedia show... (laughs) <laughs> to taunt Mark specifically because yeah, Mark's the guy he had some interaction with. Okay. Uh, meanwhile, this guy has gone off to, t- the killer has gone off to talk to the other remaining person who was involved in this situation. Yeah. And Mark, uh, and so they track the two of them, right? So, cause they're onto her, they know about her. And so they're going to find her. They track her to a fun fair where she has gone with the killer. And uh, oh, no, no, they no, they they track her down long before that. Oh yes, to warn her about him. Yes, and they they want to they want to talk to her. They want to warn her. They tell her that they should um, 
you know, uh, that, that she should call them if, if she hears up. from him. Yeah. She but can't she believe that, that he would do anything violent. He was such a sweet man. Yeah. Um, Susan goes back to tell the wife that her husband is still alive. Yeah. And says to her, to, to the wife, look, you know, um, cause she says, well, we had a burial for him. We, we put sand in an empty coffin and yep. we had closure because it's been seven years since. Mm-hmm. And so then Susan, right, but says to her, you've got to call us if he shows up. Yeah. Of course, neither one of these women take him seriously yeah. to their detriment. Oh, yeah. Although it is yeah. kind of like it is ridiculously contrived that he comes oh. home and his super creepy and horrible to his wife. And like they find out that happened, but then they don't continue watching the house because like later they'll they'll find out that he's been living at this uh been hiding out and living and killing people at this uh pool this community pool right and like after they run him out of there they're like where could he possibly go i don't know back to his house yeah but like they don't even consider guarding the place and he's able to go home and brutally beat his wife half to death yeah. And the thing is, is his wife had plenty of time to call the cops because he went and locked himself in his office. Yeah. Basically. And she stood around, right? Yep. And stood around. And he went and then we find out he's got this Kalishnikov. This assault rifle hidden in the and wall. And he's got, and he's got all these other. Which, by the way, I, I know this is a crazy thing to think of. Like, when did that get there? Well, that's what I was trying to figure out. He because he never came home from Bosnia. No. So when was the Kalishnikov put there? Unless he did sneak home at one point. How did he get it into the country? That's my point. Well, no, it's not that hard. I mean, you can take a boat to England. It's not impossible to smuggle stuff to England. But it's like, he managed to smuggle this assault rifle back into the country and hide it in his house. But it's like, the whole narrative is that he never came back from Bosnia. So when did this happen? Was this always there? Did he put it there before he left? If so, why? Or did he sneak home when his wife wasn't around and put it there? I mean, that's not that's what we've heard about the character, but I guess. Yeah, that's the only possibility. No, it is, but it fly, it just flies in the face of everything we're told about this oh, character to imagine that he took a trip home and hid a gun there just like, in I, case he would need it later. Okay, I'm watching, okay, I'm watching this episode, yeah. right? And I'm going... Well, at least that makes sense. The fact that he still had his own key, because one would never expect his wife to have changed, changed the, the locks on the door. Oh, yeah, of course. And I'm going, oh, well, at least that makes sense. Yeah, I'm not denying that part <laughs> makes sense. You, you know, I'm telling you, it was just right. bizarre world. So they follow her and him to a fun fair, and Mark goes and roughs the guy. Oh, up. this is not the wife. He's already beaten no, yes, up. Yes, not the wife. The uh, No, this is long before he beats up his wife. Uh, this is at the beginning of the episode, uh, right? Uh, he goes oh. to the fun fair, right? And the the lawyer, his friend, the lawyer, is there with him, and Mark roughs him up as he when he denies that he's ever seen Mark before, and it infuriates Mark because Mark knows this guy is the killer, right? They saw him with one of the victims, and so when they take him in, it turns out his friend again is a lawyer, so she insists he be released. Oh because yeah. Okay. He was assaulted by a cop, right? He was assaulted by a cop, and there's no evidence against him. And 
I mean, the assault was borderline, but there is no evidence against him yet. That is true. Uh, but then she doesn't just let him go. She helps him escape police surveillance. And I don't know what's going on with this character. Do you understand what's going on with this character? No, I did not understand. Well, except that she'd had an affair with him. Yeah, that part I knew, but like... So maybe... I don't know. So she never... And then he disappeared. She's the only one that didn't disappear. They all disappeared. Yeah. I mean, and she's the only one... She's the only one who came home and just... Well, no, the other guy who got his head drilled at the start also came home and put his life back together. Because they were able to just drop him off at his wife's front door. But like, no, of the the seven of them... Five of them, one of them died and four of them just like never came home in a sane way because it had been so traumatic. Yeah. And she's, and she's, yes, she has the PTSD, but she's still, but she's the one who's kept her life together the best. Yeah. And so why she would, but why she just refuses to believe what the police have told her, what Mark has told her. Yeah, and it's like, also, like, she can look at the dead bodies of all of her friends who have had their heads drilled open, and she sees, you know, the the friend who is not dead and has had his head drilled open, and was last seen with this ex-lover of hers. Like, I don't understand why she is unable to accept what's going on. Yeah. I No, I mean, it's weird, right? It, I was, I was sitting there going, why are you doing this? Why aren't you? And then, of course, the police, because, because he's escaped, he goes back to his house. He beats up his wife. We've already talked about that. Yep. And then, and then he phones her. And because the police are watching her place in case he comes back. Yeah. Right. She brings coffee to them. Like, that's going to make a difference. Like, I don't even know why she brought them coffee, because all she did was escape out the back door. Why they weren't covering her back door, I don't know. Who the hell can say with this You know, I mean, this is just like, like, didn't they think that they should cover the back as well? Because that would be the most obvious place. Place for her to try and escape from. Not only for her to escape, but for him, if he was going to come and see her. Yeah, for him to sneak in. Absolutely. He wouldn't walk in the front door. No, he's wanted by the police. Oh, by the way, truly bizarre scene. So they find out uh, <laughs> that he is likely hiding in this pool. And then, like, instead of surveilling it to try and, like, sneak around to try and see if he's in there, they just roll a bunch of cars and sirens, giving him ample time to run away. Yeah. <laughs> like... I mean, yes, he technically did have a hostage there, because at this point he preposterously has kidnapped his comatose friend, his lobotomized friend, and that's contrived all in and of itself. Well, we don't even know exactly how he got him out. Like, how did he manage to... How the hell did he manage to kidnap that guy? Because the guy is in a wheelchair, so he's got to... So he had to go into a military hospital and wheel this guy out. You know, that, that seems... And nobody saw him? And do does that? he even have a car? Like, I don't know that even this character even has a car. Well, he's wheeling him all over the place. And yes, I mean, this is in service. I mean, it's all contrived. It's yeah. in service of showing just how 
continuously he is increasingly out of touch with any level yeah. of reality whatsoever. That is true. You're right about that. Yeah. I that mean, is I what they're what going for. Service of, but it doesn't make all that much sense. No, it doesn't track. No, like how could he even? In, he's he keeps talking to the guy, and then decides that the guy forgives him. Yeah, you know, and it's like, um, okay. Mm-hmm. And, and he during, blames the guy for shooting the woman. Then it's like, how you never should have done that. And it's like, you were my hero, and how could you do something so awful? I'm like, is it less awful to let somebody get burned alive? Like this is a this was a situation with only bad options. Yeah, and it was it was because they all focus on that. But the, there was all sorts of other things that they saw. Yeah. And and you know, I mean this poor guy, I mean he was the girl's he was he would obviously have married the girl. They yep. were they were expecting a child. Oh yeah. You know, I mean they were very involved with one another. Mm-hmm. And for him to have done this meant it was that bad. And they knew it was that bad because they'd seen they'd seen these shoulders, these sol- these soldiers, whatever, just soldiers. massacring civilians. Not only massacring, as it, the story that he tells about how they would make the women dance and then shoot their feet. Yeah. Off, you know? It, yeah. It, like it was, and why they were, like I don't even understand why. These relief organizations are not supposed to be in the field like that. Well, no, but I mean, they were taking, yeah, no. I mean, and we can talk about the the plausibility of that part. But I mean, everything they say is based on actual, you know, witness accounts from the thing. And you're right. And maybe they're only supposed to be people taking witness accounts and they didn't see a lot of the stuff. But still, it would get to you nightmarishly. Oh, nightmarishly. Although... You know, from my perspective, it would have been better if they had all been so all in the military. In the, yeah, had, it would have made a lot more sense. It would have made a lot more sense because you you do have that problem. Yeah. Uh, okay, so they're supposed to be relief organizations, but they were in the middle of this genocidal war. Yeah. And um, now I can't, I mean, maybe relief organizations... Usually they see the mess afterwards and that can be haunting and that's PTSD creating. There is no question. I do not want to under. And I think the idea here is that they mostly saw the stuff afterwards and it disturbed and haunted them. And then one time they were ambushed by just, you know, some of these monsters. Yeah. Yeah. Some of these monsters and uh, they took the one woman. They didn't take. Well, they didn't. No, they didn't find everybody. Like they tried to hide, as we're specifically told. And they grabbed the. They found this woman, and she was tortured and raped and going to be burned alive. Yeah. And then they managed to shoot her and then escape. Yeah, it was a. It was a rough episode. But so yeah, she just she will not even despite everything she's seen, all of the people he's killed. His best friend being lobotomized and him having kidnapped him, she's still like, "Oh, I'll go sneak off and meet him." Like, yeah. no, that that character made no sense to me. No, and then instead of calming him down and under and even understanding what he's trying to do, yeah, he turns on her. Oh yeah, and kills her because he has to, right? Because yeah. he has to continue justifying what he does, and everybody is out to get him and. 
you know, all of the, all of the nonsense. It's very, again, it's a very weird episode. Uh, so meanwhile, he has murdered a shopkeeper for making fun of him for assuming that like, uh, the, for thinking that there would be some magazine about the military in this guy's cigarette shop. And, you know, he's one of these guys, and he's specifically mad at him because he's the kind of young person who's not really even aware that the Bosnian genocide happened. Mm -hmm. You know, that there were all of these Serbian war criminals right, you know, right then being tried for crimes against humanity and jailed for crimes against humanity. Uh, yeah, that's, that's, uh, and so he kills that guy and he leaves that guy's body on his own grave. Yes, because he blames his wife for killing him. Yeah. And again, burying him alive. Exactly. Oh, his wife didn't know he was alive. He certainly didn't reach out. No. He certainly made no effort to reach out. <laughs> you're just going, say what? Uh, no, but of course, you're supposed to believe that he is in the middle of this, of these episodes and nothing is making sense. He can only. Yeah. Whatever it is he does. I don't know. I. Mm -hmm. So it then the, um, and then kill the child. Yeah. So then, oh, and, um, Dave's wife had her new baby. Yes. And the there is a joke about time. exactly what the, uh, what his relationship to the baby is. Ex stepfather. <laughs> and the answer is, of course, no, he has no relation to this child. <laughs> Oh, yeah, well, and he doesn't even ask what the child's name is. He yeah. doesn't even ask how much the baby weighs. No, is, he doesn't ask anything. Is my ex-wife okay? Yeah. <laughs> no, he's just like, and of course, he and Susan blame the job for why it never occurs to him to ask basic human questions about any of this. I'm like, this might be more than the job, though. Though, so, yes. This might be you guys. Right. This might be you guys might have a pro bigger problem than just the job. But anyway, that's 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 debatable. I don't know if I can really uh, hang that one on. So uh, the parents of the dead child. Well, not child. He's a teenager. Uh, go on TV. And, you know, supposed to do one of these things where they beg the guy to uh, beg the guy to turn himself in and say, you know, uh, we know you're not a bad person. We know you're pushed PTSD, but the mother can't go along with it and says that she he's a horrible person and he deserves to die. Yeah. And so the killer phones up Mark. Mark and Mark's not there. And Mark's not there, so Dave hears it, and he got and he says, "I'm going to kill all of them." And we're like, "Uh oh." Uh -oh. And of course, they figure out the only all of them he can be talking about is a, uh, oh, and of course they've, uh, found out that he shot the, uh, he did the kid he murdered, he murdered with a rifle. And so they're, you know, they're able to figure out the kind of rifle he has and that he's likely going to do a mass murder with an assault rifle. And they're like, well, he's called just before that kid's funeral starts. So in all likelihood, that's where he's going. Now, unluckily for him, uh, Mark is the closest to the funeral. Yeah. So he races over there, quite understandably, Yeah. Uh, races over there to interrupt the things. And this is where the gaslighting of Mark really pays off, because the guy has not started shooting yet. And Mark is 15 feet away and fully capable of just shooting that man in the back. 
Yeah. But the rest of the team has gotten in his head. So Mark instead runs through the graveyard yelling to all of the mourners to get that own because there's, you know, a crazy man with a gun. Right. And then he tries to talk the guy down. Yeah. And for his trouble, yeah. Mark gets shot in the stomach and then the guy just kills himself. And this is why I'm talking about, like, the gaslighting of Mark. Yeah. Because oh, had I, Mark I, just shot him, in, had they all approved of what he did to Laney and said, you did the right thing, when it came down to this, he would have just shot this guy in the back, and it would have been the exact same result. Guy dead, everybody saved, but it would have been less traumatizing for the people at the funeral, and he wouldn't have gotten shot for his trouble. Oh. Uh. Like, this guy is not looking to be talked out of anything. And that's a 100% clear. But Marcus is, like, forced to feel like he's got to try by all of these horrible people on his team. Yeah. You know, like, 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 like Dave was so successful trying to yeah. talk. What Emerson. happened when Dave tried to talk a guy down? Yeah. They just Come keep on. trying to talk these people down and people get hurt. You know, it's insane. Oh, God. And then, you know, and I mean, I know, like, it's Susan projecting her own stuff, and that's why she's angry about it, and Dave is angry at his own stuff, but it's like, both of them dump all of their crap on Mark, and it yeah. gets Mark shot. Yeah. And it's like, I don't think there's any way to read it other than Mark gets shot because of the way these people were playing with his head. I, I don't you I'm don't not disagree arguing. with that? Okay, yeah. good. Because I know that's... Not arguing. Team it's just, Mark. It's very frustrating. Team Mark, yes, exactly. Team it's Mark. It's so frustrating to watch. Because yeah. I'm just like, I don't... Why on earth? <laughs> like, and I, it's, yeah. it's, it, and what I'm doing is I'm sitting here and thinking, does the show understand it? Or does Mark... They think Mark did the right thing by giving this guy a chance. And I honestly can't tell you what like what the shows take on this situation yeah like well yes i mean there's there's your big problem is trying to figure out like we've watched now season one yeah. two-thirds of season two yep and still haven't figured out what this show, what the show is, is trying, trying to say say like with uh and yet the first season was apparently popular yeah well and then the thing is like with cracker uh it's not hard to show, to say what the show is trying to say. Uh, bad parents create monsters, and the cops suck, but what the hell, but we don't have any other structures in space, uh, but the cops suck, but our completely failed system leaves us nothing but the cops as a way to deal with these monsters that the abusive care parents create. Yeah. Is that, is that fair to like a full precis of what now. the show <laughs> Cracker has to say? I think that's a good cops suck, know, but they're all we have. Crackers, even crackers, cracker is a failed. His parents failed oh, him. Absolutely, no that's question. Completely clear. Yeah, that is one hundred percent clear that his uh, parents absolutely failed him. Ah, oh, it's so frustrating. Oh my god. I, um, I'm not going to complain, though. 
I don't want to complain. I like it's so frustrating to me watching the show. And again, if you you think I'm being too awful, please tell me. But like, have you uh, not heard me over the no, last? That's true. <laughs> it's just I watch this show, and it's like, how are we this far in without any idea of what it's trying to say? Yeah. How? Other than that, these cops are massively incompetent at their job. Yeah, they're real bad at their job, and they're like love blaming everybody else for their own problems. I know. I mean, we said that in the first season. I mean, that's the one thing. It, that is consistent. Yeah, that is consistent that these, these guys all have massive problems. They're not good at their job and yeah. they want to blame everybody else for yep. their mistakes. Yeah, that is, no, you're right. That is consistent. That's consistent right across the board. All the way through. They that has been a consistent they, message. Susan and David do not care who they hurt. Yeah. Doing it. No, I think that's right. And I gotta say, um okay. uh, I, I'm just gonna say it. I miss Tony. <laughs> we miss you, Tony. <laughs> we we miss you, Tony. You're the yeah, best. We miss you, Tony. We miss you a lot, it turns out. <laughs> oh my god, this episode. Like this is this has not been a fun show to watch, but this episode is just so unrelentingly bleak and so nonsensical in the way, as you say, it jumps around in time and people's decisions make no sense. And it's like, okay, maybe the cops are just bad at their job, but they're like, this is supposed to be the most crack high-end team available. Yeah. And they're making such bizarre mistakes. All I can say is if the best, if this is the best, best, best has, offer. Then um we no weep one... for the we weep for the future of England. <laughs> That's about it. Yes, we weep for the future of England. If this is the best you've got, oh my god! <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, no, it's fine. Thank you. Thank you for backing me up in my just being furious with this episode. Oh, it's 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 yeah. Oh. And we it's... got another one to deal with next week. And then only thank God one more episode. Although it is a three-part movie, so we're going to have to watch it longer. But we ain't breaking that into multiple episodes of our show. But yeah, it's the last episode and it's a three-parter. And so are we going to watch all three parts? Yeah, exactly. Well, it's only three hours. It's not like we're, you know, it's not like we're in for a six-hour thing. We yes, used to watch three I... episodes of Criminal Minds. I think this is fine. Well, except that yes. the episode is two hours long. No, that's what I'm saying. Each episode oh, is 50 God. minutes long. It's not oh, like okay. we're watching so six hours. So it's two hours. Yeah, it's two and a half hours. Yeah. Watching this. They're normally 90 minutes hours. and this one's two and a half hours. Yes, but this one felt like six it hours. It did feel, I know. It just drags. It drags. Yeah. Like there so is so nonsensical. To tell this story. Yeah, without it dragging so. Oh, absolutely. They didn't it find does. it, but there's a way. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I not none of the previous episodes, and there have been problems in the previous episodes, but none of them have dragged like this one. Nope. And it's not just because it's so unpleasant. 
I'm not going to pretend that didn't factor into my assessment of it, but no, I agree with you. It's not just the unpleasantness. No. It's pacing we as well. Because watched some pretty unpleasant oh, stuff. Oh, deeply unpleasant stuff. Absolutely. No, it's it's pacing. It's pacing as well. It's not just how... I mean, uh, I know I always go to this, but boom. Uh, I saw the devil. You're never going to watch a, a, a harder-to-watch movie, but... That thing friggin' moves. Oh, I saw. The, oh god, that I saw. The like, it it puts its foot on the gas and it never lets up for a second. It was so hard. That incredibly was... hard to watch, but so good. And then we had, yeah, yeah. No, it was it was stupendous that one. Yeah, it's an amazing movie. But I mean, we've we've talked about I saw the devil a lot. We still haven't watched Eck Villain, which we should at some point, which is. Uh, India ripping off I Saw the Devil. I never uh, have a straight well, answer. After, yeah, after, after, Johnny, after Ro- Rocky Handsome. Rocky Handsome. Oh, Rocky Handsome. Oh my <laughs> God. Rocky Handsome. I know it's weird that I just turn on Man from Nowhere to watch recreationally. <laughs> like, I know that's a strange thing I do. I don't think I'm the normal one for doing it. Yeah, but it was. It's so, so good. You know, and I mean, it's so. And the thing is, it's it is a brutal movie to watch, but at the same time, it's so beautiful. Yeah, and it's like it has such a like such a deep and resonant heart to it that it's like, how do you not love this movie? <laughs> I know. Anyway, but we're not here to talk about I saw the devil, a movie we deeply love. We're here to complain about. Yeah, if you want to. <laughs> Touching evil. Yeah, you can you can go look for that episode. Uh where we talked about that in Rocky Handsome. Uh but yeah. But no, we're talking about a show that we started out ambivalent to and have gradually that has curdled into actual hostility. (laughs) Yeah. It's been a gradual process, but I think we've reached the actual hostility. state of our relationship with touching evil is that fair to say i would say yes that this oh. there are no redeeming qualities in this one like what again and it's all down to like there's there's so much wrong with this episode but then you like you focus on how awful everyone is to mark and he's got ptsd and he's like not coping well with having to shoot that guy like it's hard enough to shoot a person But then to have everyone tell you you were wrong for doing it, but you still have to keep doing your job, which is, you know, being in a situation where you have to have to shoot people like what the hell? Oh, my God. Oh, it's it's fascinating. Oh, my God. Yeah. All right. So uh, touching evil next week. What Price a Child, which, ah, based on the description, sounds pretty brutal. It's about people kidnapping, selling children, and we're going to get a follow-up on the plot from the uh, first episode of this season, based on the previously on package that played when the episode auto-ran, and I didn't have the, you know, wherewithal to sit down and turn off the episode when it ended. I kind of felt, ugh, at the end of this episode, and I just sat there staring at the screen, and the next episode started. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, 
I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm not watching it right now. I know I'm gonna have to have this watched by Friday when we're recording, but no, I, I ain't doing it now. <laughs> I cannot bring myself to. Oh, all right. So that was that was touching evil. Thank you so much for uh, putting up with this. If you're watching it with us, I apologize. Yes, and maybe, because we sure as hell sort of didn't, we sort of explained it, but didn't explain it. I, yeah. It was, it was difficult. Yeah, it's, I mean, cause it's like, what are we going to do? Get into the, you know, the nitty gritty of every scene of people, you know, trying to be nice to this guy and him being, you know, horrible and lashing out at them. Cause it's like, and I think, okay, this is one minor thing. Okay. We see nothing good about this man. No. And it's like, we see nothing about who he used to be and why everyone would give him the benefit of the doubt. There is nothing left in him that is a relatable or kind human or looking out for anybody. Right. And that... that's part of what makes it so hard to watch is like, we've got, and we're told that he used to be nice, but that's telling us, not showing us like, I don't say you have to do a flashback. Show him being nice to people in the community who aren't the focus of his madness. Yeah. Right? Show us, like, the person he used to be before he became this murderous wreck. Because all we're seeing is a murderous wreck. And we're left, why is every wondering why everybody keeps giving this man the benefit of the doubt? Yeah. And there's no reason why for it that we can see in the episode. Huh. Why she doesn't, uh, why his wife doesn't call the police, why his lover doesn't understand the threat being, sh- uh, after being shown the threat over and over and over and over again. Yeah. We have no idea. We have no conception of why this is going on. And it's a problem for the episode. All right. Now I really am done dunking on this episode. You got it. Uh, seriously though, thank you so much for listening. If you have any questions, if you have any comments, We're going to be done this soon, so if you have any profiling-related fiction you think we should check out, drop us a line at profilingcriminalminds at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Uh, We're going to see you here back next week for that final episode of Season 2. But until then, I'll say that's right. Au revoir. And have a good week.